Hello, everybody. In this week's Parsha, Parsha Pinchas, we're going to discuss two Rashis, which are on back-to-back Pesukim, which seem to be directly contradictory to each other. And I was learning this with Akiva Krieger, and he pointed out this problem. So uh, let's give a little bit of context. So um, in the Parsha, so we learn about Bnei Safchad. This is Parsha Pinchas. Bnei Safchad are the daughters of this uh, man Safchad, who didn't have any sons. And they said, hey, our father didn't have any sons, so we should, um, you know, we should inherit the land, which his sons would have inherited. But since he doesn't have any sons, he's not going to get any portion in, uh, in the land. So they, they're tying on their argument to Moshe was that we should get instead. And sure enough, Moshe said, uh, asked Hashem, and Hashem said, it's true. Since, uh, since he doesn't have any sons, so the, his inheritance will go to his daughters, and they will have a portion in the land. Okay, then after that, it says, Hashem tells Moshe to go up to Haravarim and look at the land. You're going to see it, but you're going to die. You're not going to make it into the land because of your uh, faith. Okay, so he basically told Moshe of his impending uh, death. Okay, soon. And then, right after that, Moshe responded and he says, Hashem, Moshe told Hashem, Hashem, um, but please appoint um, someone who's going to lead the people. We'll go in front of them, we'll go behind them, and they won't be like a, a sheep without a shepherd. And Hashem said, okay, you're right. Take Yeshua ben Nun and uh, lean your hands on him. And he'll stand before Elazar and all the people and he'll command him to be the leader. And he will, um, you know, everyone will listen, right? To listen to him and he'll stand in front of Elazar Cohen and they'll ask about the Urim Tumim and, and he will basically be the leader. Okay, so fine. So basically, again, right again, right after the Menachem story, and right after Hashem told Moshe that he was going to die, Moshe requested of Hashem to appoint the leader for the when he dies. So Rashi says right away, Shilchan it teaches you the praise, the shavach of the tzaddikim, Kishneftar Olam, when they leave this world, they abandon their own needs and they're involved in the needs of the tzibur. In other words. Hashem just told Moshe he's going to die. And you might think that uh, Moshe would respond, that, oh, I better take my affairs in order, I better take care of my family, my finances, my personal things, whatever the case is, I'm about to die. But no, no, no. The Shevach of Tzadikim is that when they go out from the world, their priority is the Tzibor. And the first thing he thinks, oh, I'm going to die, who's going to deal with the Tzibor, who's going to be the next leader? So it shows you the Shevach of Tzadikim that they have this priority on the needs of the Tzibor over their own personal needs. Okay, very nice. Now, the very next Pasuk, though, Rashi seems to give us a mixed message, the opposite message, because it says, Rashi says that he, he kind of tries to draw a juxtaposition between this Parsha and the Benoslafla Parsha, which happened a little bit before this. So it says, when Moshe heard that Hashem said to give the inheritance of Tzlafla to his daughters, so Moshe says, Higiyashash et Vetzarki, it came the time, this has come the time that I will be able to Request my needs, that my children, that my sons will inherit my position, right? In other words, now that I see Hashem listened to Tzunah and gave the inheritance of Tzavchot to his daughters, also maybe Hashem will finally, now's the time where I could ask Hashem to take care of my need, namely, that my sons, maybe Hashem will appoint my sons instead of me. When I die, my sons will take my lead. So there's Rashi's imputing an, an implicit, um, I guess, motivation behind Moshe's request. He's not just asking Hashem to appoint the next leader. 
but he's subtly trying to get at, maybe the next leader will be one of my sons. And then Hashem says back, no, 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 that's not my plan. Rather, Yoshua, who's the one, he's, he's, he's been serving you all these years, he hasn't moved from your tent, he's Mamish, your Talmud, he's going to be the one who deserves the star to become the next, uh, next leader. And okay, and then Moshe, you know, acquiesced. So again, Rashi here is, again, seemingly contradicting the previous Rashi. The previous Rashi was saying the praise of Tzadikim is that when they're about to leave the world, Again, the previous Rashi is saying the praise of Sadiqim is when they're about to leave the world, they abandon Manichem Tzarkon, they abandon their own needs, and they're involved in the needs of the Tzibor. And then the very next Rashi is saying, oh, Moshe is saying, I finally get the opportunity to seek out my own needs, which, namely, that my sons will inherit my portion. So he just said they abandon their needs, and now he's saying, now I finally got an opportunity to seek out my needs. So, I mean, Mamish, the very, the Lashon itself, the language is totally contradictory. And why is Rashi imputing this motivation to Moshe Rabbeinu? It seemed like the whole Shabbat is that he's saying he forgets about his own needs, he's involved in the needs of the Tzibor. And then, the very next Rashi is saying is now he's finally taking the opportunity to seek out a position for his own kids. There's nothing in the Pesukim which indicates that he's looking for his own kids. The Pesukim is just saying, eh, Hashem, find the guy, someone who's fitting to take on this role. So, why is Rashi imputing this personal motivation, which it seems like so he can kind of give up on, and he's imputing his personal motivation to Moshe Rabbeinu, where it's not in the Pesachim. Why? Just because it followed Menoslavchad? I mean, okay, Menoslavchad, that's uh, not exactly following Menoslavchad, it's a partial later, and well, that's, it just doesn't seem compelling enough to warrant this accusation, so to speak, of Moshe Rabbeinu, of uh, having this personal motivation in this whole thing, which there's nothing, Pesachim don't indicate that at all. And, and and secondly, there's another Rashi, which is in the same spirit, same type of problem, but when it says that um, he appoints Yoshua, so the Pasuk in Chavalev says that he's going to he's gonna stand before Elazar HaKohen, Elazar, who's the Kohen God, and he'll ask, Yoshua will ask from the Urim Atumim, right, or um, I guess it's not clear, it's Yeshua asking or Elazar asking, but they'll ask about the Urim Atumim to, uh, whether they should go to war or whatever. Right, so Rashi says, why, "Why is he mentioning that Yeshua is going to stand before Lazar?" It says, "Ah, Moshe Rabbeinu, the question that you ask—that your covered, this covered will not leave your father's house—it it will still be solved. It will still be satisfied because Yeshua, even though Yeshua is not from your father's house, he's not family. He will need a Lazar, who's your nephew, who's from your father's house. So, therefore, you were personally worried about your own kids getting the, the position of leadership." It's true your kids are passed over and they're not getting it, but don't think it, you're totally being cut out. Your father's house is going to be satisfied. It is going to be because Yoshua is going to be dependent upon Elazar, who's the nephew of Moshe Rabbeinu. So therefore, don't worry about it. Again, he, he's still going with this theme that Moshe Rabbeinu had this personal, familial interest in this whole thing, which is, uh, and he's trying to assuage Moshe's uh, concern. Through this thing again, but where do we see that Moshe is worried about this, and why? Why should he be worried about it? Isn't it the Shabbat of Tzadikim that they they drop their personal needs and they're involved in the Tzarchei Tzibur? Right. So that's the problem. Okay. So I was thinking like this, I was discussing this with my sister, and we we came to the following thought. So you may find sometimes. Again, I, I think this is I think this is true. It's like sometimes you find like a rabbi of a community, 
is oftentimes he's very much in demand, especially a big shul. He's often much um, in demand of the take care of the needs of the tzibor, and it creates a great responsibility on him, and he's always responding to this congregant, that congregant, this wedding, this bar mitzvah, that funeral, this, that, right? He's always on call, so to speak. And sometimes I've heard that, like, uh, the family might feel, his family might feel like they get the short end of the stick. Like, the, the rabbi is so concerned with the needs of the tzibor that they end up being cut out. Now, is that is that right? Is that wrong? Is that a good idea? Is that a bad idea? So I think it's subtle and it's nuanced. Is that in a certain sense it's true? The rabbi has a responsibility to the tzibor, and the tzibor is a is a is a tzibor. It's a community, and the community depends upon him. And Klai's uh, shalos depends on Moshe Rabbeinu, right? and Moshe Rabbeinu's primary obligation was to Klai Yisrael, the vehicle of Kedusha Hashem in the world, and that's that's a great level of, of him that he's able to overlook his own personal motivations and appreciate the greater good. The, the Tzibor has a higher, more primary reality in the world and I called the world of Kali Yisrael of Rakesh Baruch Hu, than any individual. And that is a Shabbat. But does that mean that the rabbi should ignore his family? Should say, you guys aren't important. They don't matter. Who cares about family? No, that, that, that's not the case. Why should that be? It's true that if he may have a family trip or family outing scheduled and then someone in the community dies, he may have to cancel the family outing. He may have to go to the funeral. Okay, that, that, that might be true. But that doesn't mean he shouldn't schedule a family outing and he shouldn't try to, as best possible, to respond to the needs of his family and to be concerned about his family. He still is a human being. And a human being is personally motivated. He is himself he has a family, he has kids, he has a wife, he has personal motivations. And there's nothing to say that he has to deny that part of who he is. There's a priority to the Tzibor, but it doesn't mean that eradicates the concern for the individual, for the family, for his own personal strivings. It just has to be contextualized. It has to be placed into a greater picture. And a realization is that the tzibor is the vehicle of Kiddush Hashem. The tzibor is the bigger picture. But he still is a person and he still has personal motivations. But they have to find their place as important but secondary. So that being the case, so maybe that's what this Rashi, these two Rashi is trying to teach us, is that Moshe Rabbeinu did have a priority of the tzibor. And he knew that. And he knew that he shouldn't, it wasn't valuable for him to just pursue his own personal needs at the expense of anything else. And maybe that's what he's saying. Like, then he says, Rashi says, and it's cryptic, what did Rashi mean? He says, once you hear the most God, he says, now it came time for me to seek out, to request my needs, that my kids shouldn't have my deal. Why is this the time? What does he mean by that? So it could be as like this, is that Moshe Rabbeinu was a person and he had a personal desire that he, he and his family would be the vehicles of Kedosh Hashem in the world. He wanted, a person who wants to be part of the, the overall divine plan. And that's a personal interest. He values the good and he wants to be part of it. And he wants his kids and his family who he taught and he inculcated values to be able to carry on the Shem Hashem. That was a personal thing. He had a personal interest. But at the same time, he didn't want to go down the route of pursuing and um, promoting his personal motivation. What he saw is, once he saw these, he knew that would be like kind of direct his energy towards the personal, which could take away from his involvement in the Tzibor. But once he saw the Benoist Slavka, that Hashem said 
that Slavchod's daughters are going to inherit his portion. It's valuable that there's Nachla of the Aretz, and Nachla is an important um, part of the system, and the land is passed down from father to son or father to daughter, passed down to the next generation, and there's a continuity of the Mesorah. So once Hashem endorsed that as a value, then Moshe Rabbeinu says, ah, so that being a value, I'm going to make a request that my sons will inherit my portion, my role. In other words, now my request about my kids is not purely personal because emotionally I love my kids, but it's because I see that in the Kodesh Baruch Hu's system, he values the idea of a Mesorah, of a father, a son, father, a son, and that's the way the Nachla is passed down. And, and because that was just set down, my request will, won't be purely colored as like a personal familial love, but it will be based upon a true Torah value of Nachla, of the, of the vehicles of inheritance and the vehicles through which the values of the Torah and the land and all that are passed down are through family, from father to son, father to son. That's the way anything in the world is passed down, and the Torah embraces that as the appropriate vehicle of Mesorah. And therefore, my request that my kids will inherit my role will exist in a more objective framework. It will be less personal. It was personal, but it's contextualized in a true frame, in a proper framework. And it could be that's why it's not contradictory to the previous Rashi. The previous Rashi saying is like the Shevel Sadiqim is that the moment he heard that he's going to die, he didn't just say, okay, kids, I want to give my kids money. I want to make sure my kids have a good house. I want to make sure my kids have a good trust fund. I'm sure. No, no. The first thing he thought about is Kali Yisrael. What is going to happen to Kali Yisrael? Now, within that context, he thought about his kids, but it's in a context of the Tzibor. His the mind is going towards the Tzibor. And within that context, he doesn't deny his personal motivations. He's, he, he, they can merge together. And he's saying he has a desire to make sure Klaishal has a proper leader. And he's hoping that he's, uh, he's requesting, davening, asking Hashem that his kids will be the ones, that he'll be able to, the values which he inculcated into his kids, into his family, will be able to be the ones to, to carry it on. But that's, that it's, it's in the context of his request for the Tzibor. And that's his first thinking about the tzibor, and within that context, within the context of this objective, valuable context of Kiddush Hashem, he's expressing his own personal desire. So he's he's abandoning his personal lishma, like for the sake of the personal. But it doesn't mean he has to deny the personal. The personal exists in the context of the communal, of the greater bigger picture. And that's why he says that he's asking for that, and Hashem says no. That's not the way it is before me. In my mind, Hashem is saying, so to speak, that uh, Yeshua, although your family is great and you've inculcated the values in your family, you've inculcated the values even greater into Yeshua. He's been sitting in Shamish with you. He's been learning with you constantly. And therefore, he'll be a more appropriate leader. Family is true. I hear your point. And there's a, your family is a great vehicle of passing things down. But ultimately, in this case, it's going to be Yeshua. He's the Talmud. But Hashem says, don't think I, I deny your desire for your, your, your family to carry on the legacy which you've been instilled into them. Your, your nephew, Elazar, is going to be part of the leadership. The leadership role is not purely in the, um, in the Malach, in the, in, the, in the Malach, in the Moshe and Yoshua, and the ultimate leader. But there's a, like a joining of powers between the Malach and the Kohen Gadol. And the uh, Melech has to function to go to war through the Rishos the Kohen Gadol, through the Urban Tumen. So therefore, you're not being totally cut out. That desire that you have for your, the values you instilled into your family will be carried on and perpetuated for, the, for future generations, will be satisfied partially. 
not ultimately the ultimate role of leadership is to go to Yeshua, who's your, who's your Talmud, but you do have an emotional, you know, an attitude about yourself and your family carrying on. And there's nothing wrong with that. And it will, Hashem is talking to that. So it's like, and Moshe Benu is satisfied. Again, Moshe Benu is, it's not, the problem is if you a person who pursues their family values as an end in and of itself, or pursues it beyond the point where it becomes uh, reasonable. But at this point, the thing is, it's within a context of the bigger picture, and Moshe Benu is totally willing and, and uh, happy. And that's what he says when he, when he actually gave the bracha to Yeshua. He says he put his hands on it more than Hashem said. Hashem said, put your hands on him, put your hands on him, single, and he did it with two hands. And he did it like, filled him with like a vessel, which is full and brimming over, filled him with his words and generously, whatever exactly that means. But it could be saying is that you, even though in, the mo- in theory went against Moshe's emotions to have his family, he was, once Hashem told him Yeshua was going to be the one, he went all in and he totally embraced it and he accepted it. And he, he transmitted to Yeshua wholeheartedly. So again, you see that this idea is that there's nothing we sometimes think of that the tzaddik as a person who's like a robot and as if he's inhuman, as if his values are like, he's just totally committed to totally absolute ideas and he has no personal interests whatsoever. And I think the point is that's not true. There's an idea of a primacy of your of your fundamental uh, commitments to the tzibor and to Am Hashem and to Kiddush Hashem, but not to the denial, to the extent of denial of your own personal needs, it, it's, but rather it's secondary, secondary, but existent. Similar to the example of the Shul Rabbi, he doesn't have to deny his family. He just, sometimes they have to take second seat to the Tzibor, but he also has to embrace his family. And there has to be a tricky balance uh, between uh, between the two. It's, it's simpler to just say, I'm just going to take care of the Tzibor and ignore my family, or I'm going to pursue my family at the expense of all else. And I think this is showing you that Tzadik has the ability to create a balance, to have, uh, to say, I'm going to pursue the Tzibor as the essence but at the same time, I'm going to value my family and my own personal pursuits. And that also has, that's important to me on, on my own personal level. But at the same time, it exists within a greater context. Okay. So um, if anyone has any questions, thoughts, or comments, I'd love to hear them. Okay. Have a good Shabbos.